0: This is an Island to Island production.
1: And I was like, ha ha, these are ridiculous. And of course now as I, as I sit here and talk to you, I'm wearing, you know, the 21 ounce. I was like, that's, that's absurd. Patently absurd.
0: I'm Ollie Walker and welcome to Ironcast, the show that brings you discussions with craftsmen, celebrities, denim heads, retailers, members of the internal and extended Ironheart family and, well, sometimes people we just plain like. In episode two of season two, we'll be talking to actor, filmmaker, musician and photographer Adam Goldberg. We talk about finding the perfect engineer boots, buying a watch just for the strap and a Duran Duran concert. This is an island to island production, hosted and edited by me, Ollie Walker. You're listening to Ironcast. You're listening to Ironcast.
1: You're listening to Ironcast. And I'm listening to Ironcast on horseback. You heard Ironcast, the podcast from Ironheart. Reporting from the West Coast, you're listening to Ironcast. Evam Abrisara Vachanam Rutabian. You're listening to Ironcast,
0: motherfucker. enjoy uh are you recording on yours i am i've been recording the whole time my bad i wish i had been as well i learned i learned that from mark maron (laughs) (laughs) name dropping out the gate i love it
1: (laughs) i know right (laughs) well he's like yeah you know it's like recording from the second you
0: uh you walk in so you get all of the all of the you know and there's no kind of snap is there like uh i think louis theroux and uh who, who is louis theroux's mentor Michael what's the famous documentarian did Fahrenheit Nine Eleven?
1: oh uh Michael Moore
0: Moore he said to me yeah. he says you record out the gate you meet people with the camera in your hand
1: right 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 yes exactly yeah that's 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 yeah anyway whatever that's <laughs> I, I I was just doing it more out of out of terror that somehow this wasn't going to be recorded <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: so how are you dude how's things <sighs>
1: Things are okay. Uh, things are fucking weird, man. Um, you know, uh, we're uh, I'm working in New York. Generally speaking, I'm uh, working in the in in Brooklyn. We're, but I'm living in um, just on the Hudson, like outside of outside of the city. And so we're living this kind of sort of bucolic, but also kind of weird, like you know, isolated. Uh, existence which is kind of nice given the given the the state of things, you know. Um and uh but yeah, it's also it's also it's just weird, man. It's just been a weird it's just a weird time, you know. But um you know, work I'm working, you know, that's good cuz you know, I have a family and a clothing habit. Um, <laughs> not necessarily in that order <laughs> but um so you know what can i say um i almost bought a motorcycle last year uh i've been looking at
0: your instagram jesus christ so how many bikes do you have believe it or not dude right now i have zero yeah. really yeah yeah i'm trying to i'm trying well i don't i mean i hope you don't mind me being too honest about this i'm trying to save up for some uh future stuff with my girlfriend so i kind of thought yeah yeah, like, yeah get rid of the bike for now yeah. so i can yeah
1: right 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 yeah i mean i'm not really allowed to to have one you know because uh married and, and kids i mean i was really I was like forbid you know so i used to ride a million like a really long time ago oh serious
0: <laughs> did you really
1: very long yeah when i was I mean, really, when I was like 1920, around there, 21, and then I picked it up again when I was 30, uh, actually, when I was living in New York City, which was a weird time to start riding a, a, <laughs> a motorcycle again, but it was like around 9-11, I, I can't remember, honestly, if it was before, or no, it was. I guess it was right before, but I was going sort of stir-crazy from not driving, and I, I just remember taking a cab across the uh The bridge to uh, the Harley dealership over there in uh in Queens, and just fucking rode home on a motorcycle anyway, and then it spent the entire rest of the time I was living in New York at the time um getting customized, so I only put a hundred miles on it then it was sent back to l a where i where I moved back to and rode it once to work and like had this like weird pit in my stomach because it, it was really the first time I had ridden a bike in l a since i was i was you know, 22 years old or something like that. And, um, or maybe even younger. And, uh, I was like, ah, this doesn't feel right. And I, that was it. And I did, and I never wrote again, uh, until literally last year. Cause you know, this whole fucking pandemic thing, just makes you do crazy shit. Yeah. And so like, I, uh, you know, we're, li- and we were living in the same area as, you know, sort of isolated, kind of fucking going crazy i mean it was not even like warm out it was pretty cold it was you know sort of towards the end of the winter and um i I don't know i don't even remember what happened but like one thing led to another and i was driving home from work and i fucking stopped off at um some harley dealership in jersey and the next thing i knew I, i was test riding bikes and um and I was, like, getting real into it, and I had it, you know, narrowed down between, like, you know, three models, and, you know, and then was just, like, going going on the, like, deep dive on YouTube <laughs> and comparing specs, and my wife's like, you're not. Because, you know, I kind of do shit like this, and it's sort of meaningless. I just sort of, you know... I mean, before she met me, I was, like, like a tattoo artist, Seriously? even though I can't draw. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, like, went way deep into, like the gear and the fucking fake skin and i did like a square on my friend um i mean you know but i literally i can't like i'm a terrible drawer um <laughs> but was just he- heavy into all the, sh- the equipment so she's like this you're just i'm like no no no. i think this is i think it'll be good i'll just like ride up and down like the river like i won't go into you know that old thing i'm not gonna go into trap." she's like you're not doing you, she's like you're not doing that i'm like "Ah." Eh and so i went back to the shop and i wrote a couple of triumphs new triumphs which i had never written which i didn't enjoy but back to the harley shop and then i'm like if you get in that that fucking army green color or whatever that is like that and then you know i the guy's got me on his you know on blast you know so anytime anything's coming in it's on my tag you know he's texting me we're doing pictures together <laughs> and then my wife was like you're absolutely not getting a motorcycle i was like okay so that was the end of that oh seriously? um but the truth of it is she's like you want me to say that right like you don't really want like you don't want me to support you getting a motorcycle and i was like yeah i get like i'm using her as an excuse the truth of it is i was never a great rider, and uh it and like i said there was something about it when i was 30 where i was like because i'd never i'd never gone down i would dropped it done two stupid things you know where i dropped the bike but i never like you know got into an accident and i was just like you know it's a matter of time and now would be just a stupid you know 50 year old guy getting in bike accidents with two young kids during a pandemic that's just it's not a good idea right
0: (sighs) I know what you mean, I, and I don't think there's ever going to be a time when it will be suitable, really, because it, it, right. <laughs> it, right. it is in, in and of itself a, a, almost a stupid activity, you know, just yeah, go right. out into the world right. on this without any, I mean, you can protect yourself, but realistically, yeah. <laughs> if a car comes yeah. plowing into you at 60s. Uh, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Have you uh, ever gotten into a bad uh, wreck? so yeah weirdly man i it kind of it put me into a bit of a weird spiral with riding because i'd been riding for a long time and it's weird you mentioned la because i was going to ask you um i i had this weird thing when i was there the last time where i was riding through the canyons on sports bikes and i was like god this this is amazing and I don't know what planet I was living in because then I just thought, hang on, if I had an off right now, yeah. like the insurance situation, I don't have any health insurance. We have the NHS here. Like, what would I have right, done? Right. If, like, right. what, I mean, what would that sort of thing cost if you wiped out? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, anywhere between a lot of money and your life. <laughs> Somewhere in between those two ideas yeah yeah.
1: you know with my pals everyone always loved riding in the canyons and stuff but that's the that's like the part where i felt the least confident but it's also like the first time or the second time i was ever even on a bike was going up little canyon was on the back of my friend's bike but honestly i don't think there's anything more terrifying for me like i don't know how people do it like was being on the back of somebody's fucking bike like that i don't get and yet I had girlfriends who did it. I'm like, what? And then now I looking back I'm like, what are were you thinking? Like, like they were obviously thinking also I was like a much better, uh, you know, writer than I was. You know what I mean? Um, that's the you know, it was all just like a ruse, really. Um, you know, I. I like the clothes and I like the bikes, you know? And then I think that was the other thing about being in Los Angeles. For so many people always said like, why, do, why, like why, were you, why did you ride a bike in New York? And I'd just be like, well, strangely, um, I just feel people are better drivers. You think of New York as being this insane. And yes, people are, you know, more aggressive, <clears throat> but there's this kind of rhythm to it. LA, it seems like everyone is operating on this completely different um, wavelength. So it's just like thousands of different wavelengths, you know, and there's no cohesion to it. And you just see these people kind of turn, you know, and, you know, so the combination of having ridden that way, you know, having ridden growing up there and then, you know, riding a bike for, you know, two or three years uh, when I was younger there. And this is like pre helmet law and all that. And then and then just driving there i think i was just like yeah this is just too it's just too. people are too fucking unpredictable here you know i was gonna say that's a
0: downer so i I didn't mean to turn you off of bikes no (laughs) dude no it's 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 i'll get back on one again at some point but and but it's interesting that you were thinking it. i mean i wonder i wonder what that was for you was there it was is there anything to do with lockdown and that feeling of Wanting to just get out there and get amongst it. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of it uh, is a hundred percent sheer boredom. The fact that one of the things that I enjoyed the most about being where we are is actually the drive to work. Cause it's kind of a, well at the time now, since they've moved us to, uh, they moved us to Brooklyn, it's actually a huge fucking pain in the ass. But before we were in New Jersey and it was just a straight line. So it was just kind of pretty much, um, Palisades Parkway. It's just really beautiful, and you know, and so this drive was great and really meditative, you know, and rolling down windows and blasting music and all that. And and honestly, that's been one. And 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 in the first, I don't know, half, I guess, of twenty twenty, when um, before we came out here, uh, I would just go take drives because there wasn't anything else to do, and I didn't want to fucking kill my family. Um, and so I would just get get in the car and, and, and take a drive or whatever. And so, but, you know, that starts to feel like its own little tomb. And so, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I just began, um, I just began to think. I mean, this this crops up for me every decade. I'm like, God, I fucking dig it. You know, I like it. And it's, that was the thing is I, when I was on these little test rides or whatever, I, you know, I got, I got that, that, you know, it wasn't, doing anything crazy. I was literally just riding up and down the fucking street and some side streets. I wasn't even going on a highway or anything. I was just like, just I had that crazy dopamine and I got off and I was all stoned and like, you know, and it's like I can sit here and I can try and meditate for fucking two hours and I'm not going to get into that state, you know. Um, And that's just the bottom line. I mean, right? I mean, I guess that's why people do it. You get into the, the rhythm of it and the humming and all of that shit,
0: you know. Yeah. This, yeah it's it's yeah it's one of it, it can really take over mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. it's amazing like that. um i i wanted to kind of get this fanboy stuff out the way first if you don't mind mm-hmm. um yeah. i was uh i wanted to talk to you a few things cuz there's your career is something of a i'm I'm sort of enamored by your career if i look back oh. to kind of where things started for you you worked. one of the first things you did was or, or, or so I could see online, is you work with Richard Linklater, who is
1: yeah. I mean, that's like what I I always say. It's my first film. The truth, I mean, technically speaking, the first film I was in was Mister Saturday Night with Billy Crystal, but it was a tiny part. So the first, yeah, go off and be in a movie, and yeah, be, you know, work every day or whatever was that movie. Yeah, days and isn't confused.
0: And, and I mean, I mean, that's a, obviously that that's a huge cult classic. Yeah. That film. um mm-hmm. But, you know, subjectively speaking, I wanted to bring you into another thing that that sort of blew my mind. Now, I was going to ask you, first of all, about... I'm going to ask you now, second of all, if that's okay. But I was going to ask you, Mm -hmm. first of all, about two days in Paris. And when I was looking at two days in Paris... Um, which is a movie you did? I think in two thousand and seven. I think is when it came, when when it, when it came out. I think that's right. Directed by Judy Delpy, I believe, and who was your mm-hmm. co lead? Um, mm-hmm. I was doing a bit of research on that because one of my favorite films of all time is Before Sunrise. Mm, yeah. And yeah. when I was looking at that, you're actually in Before Fucking Sunrise.
1: No, no. no. Here's the thing. <laughs> I have I have I have written to IMDb, right? <laughs> so I so I, IMDb is this weird you know sort of like uh uh sentient like <laughs> being that i don't know like who runs it or how it exists and it's kind of crowdsourced and it's kind of not and like you can kind of interact with it but you kind of can't and i've been trying to tell them for i don't know how many fucking years i'm not in that movie
0: right so <laughs> there's like the-
1: i'm not in before sunrise i saw before sunrise at the premiere <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: that's that as close to before sunrise as i got i called rick afterwards and i said who's that chick jesus christ and he i can't tell you what he said it's not. i just realized um and then years later she and i were together and then years after that we did uh two days in paris but no i am not the guy sleeping on the train so i i, I I've, I've or subway or whatever it is that i i I think I've seen a still, and I guess it's like a doppelganger. It, yeah, but I also think it's like a guy who looks the way that I do, like now. I mean, you know what I mean? It was, like, I think it's like a guy with a beard, with I, I, you know, at that time I don't even think I could grow. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not in that. Um, I di- I worked with Rick again um, on Waking Life, which Julie and Ethan are also in, but that was the only; those were the only two. Times that we uh that we work together but mm-hmm. yeah but but and i didn't even meet julie through rick it was um when was it Ni- the end of the 90s 98 mm-hmm. I actually met her at my birthday party because no. i invited her to it or something <laughs> like that and and anyway i was i was trying to get her to be in the script i i i had written called neo mm-hmm. and um and I got her to agree to attach herself to this script I'd written and then um, but at the same time, I was producing and acting in a TV pilot sitcom like a four camera like proper like you know like live audience type situation back when there were more of those so I had a deal and and I was um, working with this writer and we created the show about this couple that fights uh, all the time and we thought it would sort of be like the kind of anti uh sitcom sitcom kind of in a way or anti you know uh, sort of mad about you sitcom where that's just like this you know um and um and she like she had to read and all this stuff which is kind of crazy but it's because it was she had never done anything like that she hadn't done a t- television sitcom an american television sitcom or whatever and so um but she was our first choice and whatever Anyway. She did it. We did it together and uh, the pilot didn't get picked up but we ended up going out or, you know, going out. I mean, we were together, you know, for a year and a half or so and then some years later um, she proposed this idea about a uh, a couple that basically, you know, is on, is on each other's nerves and going insane, uh, you know, visiting their parents in Paris and that was just the concept or whatever and she had called me during a really dark period <laughs> for me where I had just broken up with my girlfriend of several years at the time and was living like in a hotel. I had no, you know, basically nowhere to live. And, um, I was just like anything, anybody asked me, I would be like, sure, whatever. Yeah. Um, cause it's like any kind of attention, any positive <laughs> attention, any, so then Julie and I began to sort of work on this thing this whole two days in Paris thing we could spend hours discussing there's a lot of like uh, a lot of water under that broken bridge but um, (laughs) so I'll just say that we both worked on it quite a bit from its conception to the actual final product and I may have had more to do with the film than it appears that I do (laughs) but (laughs) Um, in the end, it's her movie, and so um, and that's that. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> we 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 stopped speaking. I mean, literally, we stopped speaking halfway during the shooting of that film, and wow, and we're in every. I mean, she's directing it for one, but we're in every scene together, aside from two or three of them, and I mean, but luckily, it sort of coincided with the dissolution of the relationship on screen, so. <laughs> We didn't have to be super amorous uh, in, in in the scenes, um, but it got really ugly. Um, <laughs> and then people will say like, geez, that was such a realistic, <laughs> you know, like impression of, uh, you know, of, of, of a relationship. And it's just like, yeah, wow. Yeah, um, right. It's basically a fucking documentary.
0: You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. That's. And- Anyway. It's so painful to watch. And I mean that in a good way, you know? I mean that yeah. in that sort of yeah. philosophical way, you know, in that it's just so yeah. well, well, I mean, I mean. now you're telling me a little bit about it. It's yeah. just so well yeah. observed and so real in it, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the idea,
1: the the conceit was to, to essentially improvise most of the movie. Ah. Um, in the end, she ended up writing... I guess, you know, a seventy-five or eighty-page script, but oftentimes it would say like, you know, he orders he orders a cheeseburger and she, you know, and the and the woman at the counter doesn't understand him. So like that entire scene is improvised or whatever, Mm -hmm. And, and you know, and then there are other scenes, you know, with the family that that are you know that are more scripted, and you know, it depends. But she's a she she doesn't like to say this because somehow I think she thinks it detracts from her ability to write, which I think is ludicrous. Um, it's a it's it's a style of filmmaking, but she's essentially completely disowned it, which is weird to me. Wow, but why? that's that was the source oh. of one of the initial arguments. Yeah, um, of I think I think because um, as someone who's written things um, and written things which actors have improvised a great deal, I think that there's some like you know ownership that you want to have yeah. over your movies. Yeah, I understand. Um, but I think the ability to elicit a great improvised performance that doesn't feel like it's just a bunch of people jerking off on film is one of the most difficult things you can you can do to take that and to be able to I mean, she her first film was a film called Looking for Jimmy, which actually she had shot before I met her. But then once we were dating, I was actually helping her sort of edit about 20 minutes out of and it was an entirely improvised film i mean she was heavy into dogma 95 and all of that shit you know and so it was like um so we were trying to do this thing that was a was a cross between a you know you have a blueprint um for a script that you need to get financing for you can't just write you know the but but uh but but that also with the knowledge that she and i have this and we used to say or I don't know i think we said or i would say later on we were a terrible couple but we were extremely sort of entertaining so like at dinner you know you'd see people just sort of watch us argue and you know while we would have to then deal with the actual relationship itself you know after everyone went home or whatever uh they got like you know they you know they got a good a good (laughs) stage play or whatever and so so i think that that was some of the impetus for probably her reaching out to me. And that was certainly my impetus for wanting to do it was like, let's figure out a way that we can use our, um, our kind of fucked up chemistry and really just have fun with it. And, and and that's largely, you know, what, what we did, but, um, yeah, anyway, I mean, like I said, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot more to that, but, um, you know, I, I think it's kind of a better story, but I think her story was like, you know, if she has complete ownership of this movie, um it's obviously better for her it's better for her career whatever and i'm not going to say that she cut me out of that exactly i sort of quit in a sense during the middle of it i said i'm taking my name off of the writing of this movie because you know of this and that and some things that happened on the set and so by the time it was all done she was like you know and then it like Gets it got sold at um, the Berlin Film Festival like that night. You know this is I mean having made three films myself that's no small feat mm-hmm. and um, and I was like fuck man I should have kept my name on that fucking piece of garbage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, oh well, say la vie, huh? Yeah, for those who don't know it's it's a, it's a movie about this. Um, this couple, uh, this fiery couple who are kind of interrailing is, is how it begins, I believe, Adam. And um, they end up in Paris to spend right. a couple days with uh, the girlfriend's family. and it's... Which, was, which was also partly based on, it was like a cross between
1: all of that jealousy stuff. Not to say that I'm not a jealous person, but this was very much based on her, I believe he's now the father of her child, mm. but uh, <clears throat> her boyfriend, which was hilarious because he was there on set and she, and so in one of the scenes there was a walk and talk and I give her a kiss she goes what are you doing I go what do, you, what do you mean what am I doing I'm giving you a kiss um we're uh, we're supposed to be a couple and she's like you can't get not what he's on the set I'm like I'm like well, how am I supposed to what just to give you some example of, of what we're dealing with here um and um but then you know all the hypochondria shit you know all that's like you know sort of based on that. and then you know well, anyway, like, uh, I could, I could go, <laughs> but yes, but basically, yeah, it's the sort of, it's a, it's a sort of dysfunctional couple. Um, I don't know. I, it's, I can't even be objective about it all. It's, yeah. I don't even remember what the, what, what, what it's, what it appears to be about because I only can think about it in terms of yeah, I understand. Uh, us playing these sort of simulated versions of ourselves.
0: I understand that. And, and, and filming, that, that environment, uh, I'm also in the industry, uh, Adam. And, yeah. And um, those those filming experiences, well, they're so heightened, aren't they? They're just, every, yeah. you know, it's a very sensitive time. And I, I remember I did oh, yeah. a, a movie in Bulgaria about three or four years ago and the subject was about Nicole and OJ. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember this being the most... Horrendous, crooked, mm-hmm. corrupt thing I'd ever been a part of, and it really like a couple of. I, I reckon I was a bit down for a couple of months after shooting this thing. Uh-huh, so these, uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't know what it is yeah. about this filming environment. What, what would you say yeah. is that is you're so susceptible to to everything around you? Like, what I you I mean? don't
1: know. I don't know why that is because that's why you know. So I always take this kind of oh that person's an asshole or whatever with a grain of salt because everybody is kind of an asshole. <laughs> um, I mean it. I mean I'll just say it brings out the absolute worst in me. I mean, there's just absolutely no other way to say it. I mean, it happened yesterday. I mean, part of it is this environment is so stressful with the fucking COVID testing and the this and the that. And like, but, and I'm like, usually I would be picked up, but I've been driving myself to work. And so I got the wrong directions. And then I ended up in New Jersey and instead of in Queens, <laughs> which are like on opposite sides of the literal river. And, um, and then they're like the testing people are going home, you know. So I needed to be rapid tested before I could work yesterday, yeah. and I and they said, "So turn around and go back to Park Avenue into the city." I go, I'm four minutes from the set. I've been driving for an hour. They can send a nurse, although that's not how I said it. <laughs> and um, and you know, which they did, and of course everything was fine or whatever. But but I am like on such a fucking short uh, fuse, you know. I'll never again. That's not something I can be entirely objective about. I think. I think that well first of all I think any artist is going to be anybody doing anything that's you know sort of creative under any kind of time constraint I mean think about how absurd that is right I mean it's it's uh it's 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 like you know what you have a gun to your head and it's like okay and laugh you know <laughs> um and so you know there's there's that there's, it's a lot of people in a compressed environment, you know, your family members with people that you just didn't choose, um, and, um, you know, I, 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 and you don't establish, I you know, you just think about, I mean, it's any kind of independent contractor, of course, but, 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 you know, I've been doing this for 31 years or something and, you know, you may f- cross paths with some people a few times but you're constantly 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 change you know sort of breaking up with people and getting back together with them and and forming forging new families and again that you really had no very little to do with you know forging and you know so it's um i don't know i mean i i I think that has probably something to do with it um i i i don't know but um (laughs) I was sent a trailer of of, of something where it, it uh, of yours where it appears that you're uh you're nude yes Is yeah, any- yeah.
0: <laughs> It's about a sex toy yeah, thanks for that Giles um, yes yeah, so- <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't aware. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I did, a, I did an indie. At the, uh, we started it in 2020. It actually looks really funny. <laughs> it's, it's one of those films that I get, keep getting people messaging me, going, dude, so you did, you did a porno. I'm, I'm like, no, no, right, no, no, it's, no, no. <laughs> it's,
1: it, it's very clearly not a porno. I mean, I could see that if you just saw like a screenshot of it, how you might think
0: it was. But
1: no, it's very clearly not a porno.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's that, but it's the I, I, same thing as you do. We we started it in 2020 and then everything locked down. So we couldn't finish mm-hmm. it and then we picked it back up in 2021. Oh. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's been a bit of a mad. I yeah. Yeah. No,
1: there was a film I did right before a film with Russell Crowe. They fucking took it off IMDb. I think this yes. might be the first film that I did that won't even be dumped to video. It's pretty crazy. I've never had that happen. You know I mean? Like, yeah it's pretty wild it's 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 a Miramax now let's just clarify this is very much post Harvey Weinstein this was you know the, whatever Miramax you know this is
0: <laughs> Miramax <laughs>
1: last year um, and uh, uh, or two years ago now I guess and uh, yeah it's a horror film starring Russell I mean we follow each other on Twitter but I hadn't seen him other than crossing paths at an airport by coincidence since we did Beautiful Mind together yeah, you know uh uh fucking 20 years ago and um and he asked me if i wanted to do this thing and it was a pretty fun fucked up role playing a director of a exorcist type film in which he was sort of the max von seedow ask or, or actually sort of the priest like i guess the younger priest type character in it um, so it's a, b- basically a movie about the filming of an exorcist type movie mm-hmm. it, it's extremely meta and to make meta worse <laughs> <laughs> it was written and directed by a, a, a couple but, but one of the guys um, dad uh, is the star of the exorcist was the, was the priest oh, wow. um, and so I think it was sort of a little bit about
0: <laughs>
1: maybe growing up in this environment with this guy doing this movie, I I, I don't know, you know, how, how literal it is or it isn't, but they wanted to do reshoots. Like they cut it all together and they're like, yeah, they, you know, they, they ran out of time. Like for instance, I had this pretty incredible final scene that ended up not being shot essentially. And they ended up having to shoot some sort of kind of replacement scene with me. That was, I, you know, clearly just not going to make that much sense. And I guess it didn't, And so they wanted to shoot all of that again. And this was like pre, it was 20, it was, it was, you know, April, May of 2020. So it was, you know, like well into lockdown, but it was pre SAG and everybody sort of negotiating all the unions negotiating what the new rules were going to be. So I was like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not getting on a fucking airplane. Um, And then I ended up. Doing the series, and I don't know how. I seriously doubt I brought down the entire film because there were other things they needed to reshoot, and then it just that was it. Never heard hide nor hair of it again. And I, 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 yeah, it's gone. It's like it's like not on IMDb anymore. It's like it never happened.
0: That's bizarre, man.
1: Really weird, especially in a time where, I mean, you know, you. I mean, maybe they just didn't want to have a film that that didn't, you know, uh, have a proper release, whatever the fuck that even means these <laughs> days. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, a day-and-date release or, you know, a Netflix release or whatever. And they didn't want it to end up on, you know, like, people's Zooms or something. I don't know where, like, what the, what the like, the tertiary level of, you know, streaming services, you know, would be. Uh, they didn't want it to go straight to Vimeo, I guess. Right. Um, but, um, which is probably also a fine place to show a movie these days. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. It's weird though, man. Yeah. So there's like there'll be there's like a lost movie, a lost Russell Crowe movie, really. I mean, I'm in it, but um, <laughs> but it's you know, it's really like he, I think probably gives a fucking stellar performance. So anyway,
0: it's weird. I always get I always get confused about that whole, and I don't know what the bridge is there, what the, what the kind of transition is. But I know there was a famous story. I say I I don't know the story, but there was something that yeah. happened with Training Day that came out all those years ago with uh, Denzel and Ethan mm-hmm. and. It just was one of those ones that just slipped through the net, and I don't know why. But it, it, it's such a fantastic film. But hmm. straight to DVD, I think.
1: Oh, it must have been
0: another, I, another training day, like a second one. It is in like the original? Like it had there was something that happened that it just didn't get its premiere. It didn't get its release. Something, something happened with the. Do you, I should. The probably... tra- no, yeah, I think Training Day is actually the film that
1: Denzel won the Oscar for. Is it? Yeah, because it was the year of Beautiful Mind and... Ah,
0: uh, maybe I've got the wrong story then.
1: And, and I hung out with Russell that <laughs> night after. And uh, yeah, that was a real shit show. Oh, it was? Well, Russell was upset. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Russell's... Uh, 100% Denzel deserves 25 Oscars, but you know how it works. It's yeah. like Russell had a real bad attitude... And he had won the year before for Gladiator, right. and so they were like, "We're not going to give him two Oscars in a row." But Beautiful Mind, I, you know, I might be his best performance. Wow. So, you know,
0: man, that must be a whole a weird world to be in. Just it, it reminds me, conversely, of that amazing speech that Jim Carrey gave at the Golden Globes. I'm Jim Carrey, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Go, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. That, that that kind of reminder of, yeah, what does it all mean, really? Yeah.
1: What's well, we- you know, weird is I don't feel—I've been thinking about a lot about this lately. I don't feel, um, especially—I mean, this is sort of saying a lot, maybe, that, but whatever. Who cares? You know, I'm doing this TV show now, and sort of nobody knows it exactly, which is uh, uh, kind of fine or whatever. It's a job. I mean, they know it, and they don't know it. It's this very weird time—it's ta- it, it, a weird time uh, for me, but it's also a weird time just kind of in the industry where— yeah um well first of all it's you know it's a procedural uh you know uh, action show right mm-hmm. so there's a whole world of those shows and they kind of live a lot of them live on on cbs you know which is this network we have here right and they kind of part you know ncis and all that all, all that type of stuff and they're on forever right mm-hmm. um and for years I thought, you know, I, I, I got to get a gig like that because, you know, doing creative work and is, is wonderful and everything. But, you know, at, at some point I've got to fucking cash out and, and focus more on my, you know, sort of my own writing and my own, you know, creative endeavors um, that, uh, that are, um, you know, unrelated to acting. And so it'd be good to just be on one of these shows that kind of just parks on a network somewhere for 10 fucking years and i can support my family and like that's that like how do you get one of those jobs and (laughs) this i can't tell it may be one of those jobs you know um but um but what's it's 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 weird a because um uh the the viewing audience is so diffuse now right it it used to be if you were on a like i read last year at some point that our show this show that i'm on was the best rated show best rated new show of last season right but but that used to be 25 million people or something like that, right? So when... Back in the day, mm-hmm. right, when I was on Friends... Yeah. I was on three episodes. Mm-hmm. And to this day, right, uh, that i met you from Friends. Okay? This was 1994. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I did one episode. I did the episode where I just walk on. I hadn't even done anything funny yet. Just the establishing episode where I walk on the next day. You know, after it airs, it's like everybody fucking recognizes you, right? <laughs> so... um. That's I don't know what they were getting in their heyday, 20, 30 million people, whatever it is. So we get six million people, right. and it's spread all through, you know, f- you know, forget your basic cable, then you have all of the streaming services and all of that. So all these, you know, 250 million people or whatever it is that are watching TV are 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 kind of dissipated throughout this whole, you know, sort of wilderness, right, of of, of um, viewing habits. And so there's that. Um Anyway, add to that just the fact that I always felt a bit like uh, I always felt like a bit of an imposter. Um, anyway, and sort of sort of like I was kind of walking through this world, and I have and I realized I have accrued enough of these sorts of experiences and stories that I could write probably a pretty good, you know, separate and apart from just like what I would like to express about my life. I could probably write a pretty good, just like tell all, you know, you know, whatever behind the scenes, you know, Charles Grodin wrote a great book that I read, you know, when I was first coming up called, it would be so nice if you weren't there. And it's a beautiful book about being, um, kind of in the business and, and Charles Grodin's particular role, which was, you know, he sort of had this shot at being the kind of Dustin Hoffman and he blew it quite literally. He turned down the graduate. No. Um, Yeah. And then he goes off, and he has this kind of—you know—he plays—you know—he plays all these incredible roles, but in these sort of ancillary figure, right? And um, and he wrote it right as his his sort of star was sort of reignited by doing Midnight Run with with with, with De Niro, anyway. And um, but it's an interesting book about sort of being there, but sort of being on the sidelines. And so I've always so I have this kind of real—I've um, had this real—I've always had this very observational take on whatever it is that I was experiencing, whether it was, you know, work or, or, or love or whatever it was, I've always, you know, there's always, for better or for worse, a sort of a third eye and oftentimes an actual camera that, between me and the experience. And so, um, you know, I always felt like, like what am I doing on this, like, red carpet? Like, you know, this just doesn't feel like, you know, it's just feels like, like a pose and it there's something that feels sort of temporary about it. And you know what? In many ways, it, it, it was because, I, you know, I haven't been... I haven't been in that 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 world really that that sort of where all this sort of heat is focused and 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 um in a long time and yet i have continued i have not ever stopped working and i make more money now just in terms which i know sounds superficial but that's really to me <laughs> the most important thing um um at this point in my life um than i did you know when whatever i was in these oscar winning movies and mm-hmm. stuff and 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 so um you know and it allows me this you know to 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 take pictures and to you know m- make these uh, record albums that nobody buys and you know and and make small movies you know whatever but furthermore um it it's it's like it it just gives me um I, I always sort of felt like it was exactly sort of what i like in some ways you create the the, the career or the life that you deserve in, in some way i mean i don't think this is obviously true for everybody but i kind of feel like and i always felt this way that if i was any more i don't know um if if some kind of i'm trying to think of a good example um I mean, there was a few missed opportunities that I had, and if I if if, if I had had those opportunities, would I, have, I would I have even been able to handle them? You know, and um, and maybe that's a rationalization for you know um, uh, you know having missed opportunities, <clears throat> but I also I also feel like you know it allowed me to just really think of it as a as a job and and sort of observe all this craziness without actually having to sort of you know, swim in it, I guess. Um, so now it's just really, we- I mean, it really is like, I live in this weird seaside town with one garbage man. I mean, literally, there's a guy that knocks on your door and he's like, you got to tie up the, I'm like, sorry. And, um, and, uh, you know, and I go to wo- drive to work and there appears to be cameras and people saying action and cut, but they're all wearing masks and it's all very surreal. And you don't really interact with anybody because everybody's terrified of you and you're terrified of them. And then you go back home and then you're (laughs) with your family. I I don't know. I mean, it's just made, it's made whatever weird distance I have felt from this like business and what it is that I actually do for a living, even more uh, it's made the chasm, you know, even more uh, uh, stark and, wide wow i don't know how we got on that at all you have to do a
0: lot of editing i'm friend. not sure man i like you i like what you're saying <laughs> <All right. laughs> um i mean you've obviously being an artist adam i hope you don't mind me calling me that but you know you are uh, well, um, i've been called worse <laughs> <laughs> um the curse of the artist i mean you, you, you yeah. use it in, in in very interesting ways you know your instagram is very much about your photography and your, and mm-hmm. your family and i mean so w- when you take photographs it looks like Forgive me if I get this wrong. It looks like medium format, but, I mean, you're shooting a lot.
1: I shoot all... Yeah, I've shot... I mean, if you asked me three or four years ago, I would say, oh, yeah, it's largely medium format film or whatever. Um, But then I got heavy back... uh, I got heavy into... uh, For a while, I was just shooting 35, and then lately I've been shooting digital. And then when I say lately, uh, I mean, like, the last two months. I, uh, I basically, instead of going and buying a Harley bought a digital leica which i've had i've had them over the years and sold them and had them and sold them and yeah. whatever i still have my m6 yeah when it was a brand new camera that i bought um 19 or 2000 yeah. so i still have my you know my all my film cameras and everything um but um yeah for for a while it was the majority of the stuff will, I would shoot would be instant film but in using medium and large format cameras so either ones that had been modified or ones that shot instant film back when they made the peel apart film and I would just use expired you know um, films and that sort of thing so um, I would say the stuff I'm most I guess proud of I put into a book slash record slash exhibition Um, and you know if i were to say like you know this is my work or whatever that's probably what i would do you know instagram is a weird bit of business right because if you're compulsive as i am you, you get into these routines in fact i fucked up last night because i posted at 12:45 a.m. and i'm like oh well it's 9:45 in la that's where i started the account i'm from los angeles this is the kind of mental gymnastics i'm doing because i wanted to post something every day this year right but I already fucking blew it because I posted it at quarter to 1 a.m. <laughs> so um, anyway, so when you get into this sort of thing and the kind of feedback loop of, 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 of Instagram and social media and you kind of get jacked in, on that and addicted to it, um, you know, any serious work you might be doing is just completely, you know, becomes just a... a a much smaller fucking rat dropping and a much larger shit stew, and so um, you know I, I would say that the the stuff that I feel um, yeah the most the most um, the stuff that I would like to say that kind of represented me I think most as a as a photographer I did put in this um, book record called Home a nice place to visit which was released. Um, digitally as a record but also as a, as a vinyl um uh, uh, uh edition photography book basically and so oh, wow. b- essentially for each track i forget how many there are now there was a um a photograph and um and then we did um a couple exhibitions in los angeles um where you know we printed these and and uh, exhibited them and um played some music there and yeah and that was a very I mean, that's a prime example of, you know, sort of operating on all cylinders, deeply, deeply invested in this stuff, um, and just a fucking money pit, right? <laughs> and I would never have been able to afford to do it were I not an actor. And, and, and it just begs the question, how do artists afford to do what they do when they don't have a random gig playing a hacker on a CBS procedural TV show, which I didn't have at the time, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. Um yeah. Well, actually, I did. I came off the other one where I was a, a, a TV hack, a, a hack on a <laughs>
0: TV show that
1: was taken. So I was sandwiched between the two of them. And I was like, I right, better squeeze in a record in a
0: book. Um, so yeah. I will say one thing, one thing I, I personally have learned through this one thing, one of the many things I've learned through this pandemic is not to judge people's escapism. Um, and I actually mm-hmm. think that what you're doing is is actually providing a show that's people are really getting a lot of enjoyment from, and and, and 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 maybe an hour out of their evening to just not fucking think about how bleak things are, and you know. So I do think there's merit in that. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, I don't mean to. Well, I guess I do mean
1: to belittle what I do, but um, <laughs> it it it's just the things over which uh, I, I I I guess I I don't know. I guess I think it's funny. To me a little bit when actors take kind of ownership over what it is that they're essentially employed to do, you know? So one way or the other, you know, you are a hired hand and um yeah, you might have more or less to do with that particular project. I mean, certainly if you're, you know, um working on it from the ground up or whatever. But you know, when somebody you know, in, 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 in the olden days when in, in sort of more conventional interview situations where someone would say like, How do you choose the I was like, what are you talking about? I don't <laughs> choose anything um it's there's I've, I've had no choice you know you you that, that i was chosen to do this i was chosen to do that um you know a, a, a save for the instances in, in in which i was producing or writing or directing um <clears throat> but um oh hell yeah absolutely um that the show i'm on is actually quite fun i mean it's queen latifah kicking a bunch of people's asses i mean I mean, what's not to love, right? (laughs) That's extremely satisfying on a lot of levels. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, it's also, it's like we just came off of this. I mean, that show was meant to go, by the way. They asked me to be in that show three days before lockdown in March. (sighs) Right? So uh, they were like, you have to get on a plane and be here Friday. I don't know who turned down the role or whatever, why the part wasn't cast. But, um, and I was like... No, thank you. Um, <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, from the sound of it, um, there are a lot of people not doing so hot right now in New York, and I'm not getting on a plane and going to get stuck there, which is what would have happened, uh, essentially, yeah. <laughs> without my family. Family. Yeah. So, thanks, but no thanks. But then they shut it down, and then they brought it back at the very end of the year. But what's interesting is, is that, that was before. You know, when we talk about twenty twenty, you know, we're really talking about like March through that summer, right? That that between the pandemic and all the protests and George Floyd and all. I mean, just, I mean, Jesus Christ, it's you know, it's like our fucking you know nineteen sixty eight or whatever. Um, and um, and so the show ends up having this whole resonance. I I, I just some, simply don't think it would have had um, prior to that. I mean, um, there's something about a strong black lady just beating the shit out of people <laughs> that I think is really tapping into to something, um, mm-hmm. at the very least.
0: Um, so that's cool. Anyway, I think, it, I think it's extremely cool. I mean, one of the things I really get from your Instagram, one of the things I love is this, and I don't know whether it's, it, it, it's, it's kind of considered on your part, but how artistic your your home is! You have a grand piano. You're teach- The last thing I saw is you're teaching one of your kids to do stop motion. I think is. I mean, is was that well, your childhood? Is that something you want? You're considering right now? I mean, no, I it wasn't my childhood.
1: Um, um, but um, my uh, well, to be clear, uh, while I do have a piano at home, we're in a a weird 300 year old Victorian rental um and it while we ended up furnishing it the one thing that the uh, uh we asked to keep while we were here was this white grand piano I was like you know I was like yeah it's like the John Lennon piano she's like well it kind of is the John Lennon piano because she was like my husband was in Beatlemania do you remember Beatlemania yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean I guess they still do it or whatever and and uh so I, I, I don't know. He, he was the John Lennon in, 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 in whatever recent iteration of Beatlemania there was. Anyway, it's out of tune, which has been driving me crazy. but sure. <clears throat> And you have to have a piano tuner come into your house and breathe on everything. So um, <laughs> anyway, um, Bud is, is our older boy and he is an artistic soul just out of the gate. And there's nothing... I mean, I, yes, there is no question we foster that. my My wife is a graphic designer and an illustrator. I have no, as I said before, I was a tattoo artist who can't draw a straight line. (laughs) She is a, she's just an amazing artist. And, you know, she went to art school. That's what she does. That's, you know, who she is. And and so she um, does all these great projects with the kids. um, And uh, it's incredibly fortuitous because uh, who knew when, Roxanne and I got together that we were going to be raising kids during a motherfucking <laughs> pandemic, but man, her like artistic, uh, you know, diversity and all of that um, has come in quite handy, um, and just in terms of you know keeping these kids stimulated and occupied. But but you know, Bud saw me with a camera from obviously the literal beginning, <laughs> from his emergence. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I mean, I have pictures of him, um, uh, the night he was born. Um, and he, uh, totally different than Sonny, my, my younger one. Um, when they're in that little bin, uh, that sits next to you, you know, while you sleep in the hospital and he's looking and he's following the camera. It's very weird because I now, you know, seen two babies, you know, from the second they emerge and this kid is just... You know, and it has its ups and its downs because Bud is hyper alert. Um, but he was just a very, very alert and sponge like kid. And so he started taking pictures. And, you know, he's got an account called Bud's Pictures. Um, and um, I think it started, I started uploading when he was four. Um, and they were film photos because I was really just like strictly, you know, sort of anti digital or whatever. And so he was shooting with, you know, my kind of throwaway film cameras, you know, little whatevers um, until it got him his own. Um, and um, so he's been and then he started making movies in, in in earnest last year. So at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I've I've always made little movies, right? Since mm-hmm. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, teenager, or whatever. And um, interested in filmmaking. But and then once you know the story feature became a thing on Instagram, I was like, how can I kind of hack this? I mean, not literally, but how can I you know sort of use it in a way which is actually you know uh, it's called stories. And I was like, rarely is anyone ever telling a story. <laughs> you know, it's like um, it's like the opposite of a story. It's fifteen seconds long. Um, <laughs> But, uh, so like, is there any, is there any way to create some sort of narrative construct? And of course, in doing so, I drove myself crazy for exactly 365 days from the beginning of the pandemic for until 365 days. And I said, I can't do this anymore, but you know, I religiously did a a kind of a morning video, which was a term you'd hear around our house all the time. Are we doing a morning video? Are we doing a morning video? Are we doing a morning video? (laughs) And, you know, I would sort of set up the day and then, you know... Yeah, obviously just verite stuff about the family, but try and kind of weave in some sort of narrative thread or some sort of musical, um, you know, kind of fiber or whatever that, that that gives it some kind of, I don't know, um, filmic vibe or whatever. And so, but Bud would see me doing this and he would see me editing and he just like, it's just through complete osmosis. He, you know, eventually, even though we were... <laughs> Super strict about all this bullshit before the pandemic screen time and all that. Obviously, all that just flew out the fucking window. And so (laughs) he, you know, he would, we would let him run around with the phone, shoot some shit, shoot some stories with, um, you know, he hit Sonny, my three year old, you know, but two year old last year was his muse. You know, Sonny would star in the films. Bud would learn how to use the editing app, um, would edit the shit together, do voiceover. You know, he'd see me compose music. So then he's trying to compose his own music for the, And so, yeah, I woke up the other morning. I come down, and they're doing, like, a full-fledged fucking stop-motion movie (laughs) um, on the dining room table. And Roxanne had illustrated it. Sonny had colored it in. And Bud, you know... And Bud... And it all got fucked up because this app... Something happened with the app, and he lost most of it, and it had to do the whole fucking thing over again. (laughs) And so that's what we posted. And, like, that's that kid. And, you know... um, It's interesting because having a guy with that much going on, I mean, I often say it's like, wow, it's like we, I just like pooped out me. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's just like, I, I, I don't know how, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, it's, it's all of this, you know, sort of manic, sort of <laughs> tense energy that needs some place to go that needs an outlet, but like just fucking compressed into this tiny, unformed brain and human and, and that presents a lot of challenges, you know yeah. as a parent, and it also obviously presents these incredibly rich um, you know rewards. Sonny, on the other hand, while super into play and very autonomous in his play, um, sort of unlike Bud, who needed a lot of like interaction mm-hmm. with his play and that kind of thing, is seems to me to be a, a simpler kid. Mm-hmm. Um, who I feel like can. Oh, I left out the fact that somehow Bud is also this incredible baseball player, which oh, wow. is a very bizarre adjunct to his creativity. I mean, like, crazy good, and since he was two, but kind of like, eh, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but be a Dodger. And he's like, nah. I'm like, no, but you don't understand. Like, I've seen 12 year olds who can't throw a pitch like you can like you understand he's like yeah no 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 no." it's like and i just watched the serena williams uh serenaville you know the king richard yeah yeah. yeah, is it good it's fun i mean it's it's very tv movie-ish you know what i mean um but it's uh but it's 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 fun but it's like man (laughs) i go babe we're doing this all wrong you know because i also watched the tiger woods documentary you know last year or whatever and it's like of course you don't want to be these guys but but then there's a part of me that's like fuck man you know i mean that sports world is so competitive unless you're i mean it's like you have to be a maniac but
0: anyway we'll see um so um i'm gonna get um lambasted if i don't ask you about clothes at some point um oh yeah yeah if you don't if you're cool to talk about that for for a minute are you kidding we could have only talked about that well i'm I'm just you're such an interesting character dude i hope you don't mind i just want i needed to have some run through stuff with you but so the first thing i wanted to ask you about is you have the good art watch strap dude I i this is like one of the nicest things ever it's super nice and i'll tell you something every
1: day i go huh my uh, my gold Rolex or this fucking Apple Watch, and every day I pick the fucking Apple Watch. And I bought for my fiftieth birthday. I bought myself, you know, this Rolex, which I just—I mean, I, I had a fifties Rolex, you know, um, black face, really simple, uh, and uh, you know, had vintage watches my whole my entire whole life. But I was like, you know, I'm gonna do, and I tried to get one that was like my my birth year. It was close. It was like 67 or something like that. I couldn't I couldn't quite nail it. Um, and um, from a place I've been going, literally since I was a teenager, called Wanna Buy a Watch in Los Angeles, and um, it's fucking absolutely stunning, just beautiful watch. And um, and then the second he fucking put this on his goddamn Instagram or website. I'm like, Jesus. And he told me this. He's like, people are buying the watch just to get the ban. I'm like, that's what I did. <laughs> and then you get addicted to the watch because now I'm like, oh fuck, if, if my rings don't close, I feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> and so my rings will never close if I wear the
0: Rolex, right? Um, Wait a second, hang on, dude, I, I, I'm out here. You have to explain to me, what do you mean if the rings don't close?
1: Okay, so, oh God, I, I don't even want to show you what they are today. Right. So <laughs> here's, here's movement, my- Movement, sleep, is it? What yeah, is it? movement, yeah. exercise, zero out of 30 today. Okay. <laughs> I I've, I've only stood twice. Um you know that kind of stuff. You know, right. it's get, and also if you're a hypochondriac like me, it's it's also, you know, if you fucking fall, it's got your you know, it gives you EKGs and a bunch Seriously. Of like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, how 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 accurate all that shit is who yeah. who, who knows. It's, but, it's, it's um, so beautiful. You know, it's like yeah. they're like Fitbits or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I know. It's just it's just too it's too good. Uh, this is what I wish he would do, okay? Uh, I don't you're know how Josh. it would work. yeah i've told i told him this i told him but he it was based on his idea and i don't know that he ever he hasn't sold it he made one that was just a case you know the old um
0: kind of pocket watches no
1: yeah yeah basically a pocket watch but on a wrist Mm -hmm. uh there'd be certain kinds i i don't know what they are what they're called but like probably 20s maybe 30s watches and you kind of hit this and it flips up well he was doing that and it was a dummy it was just a pill case or whatever inside Mm. um and i was like why don't you just do that can't you figure out something to do to just cover up this fucking um atrocity because i mean (laughs) it's the worst part about the watch obviously is the watch itself (laughs) um and um I mean, it's 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 still like a laughably thick piece. I mean, this is, it's going to look so ridiculous in ten years. But uh, anyway, um, but I'm sure that presents its own construction problems that I know nothing about. But that would be my dream, just to have it be a, a, essentially a silver bracelet. Yeah. And when you want to look at it, you flip up the top, but yeah. no one has to look at it the rest of the time. Right.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a nice idea. He's I'm sure he's working on something like that though. No.
1: He's always working on on, on, on something. Yeah, the, that yeah. As you know, that is just a never-ending deep dive of
0: shit you don't need. It's <laughs> it's it, yeah. You need. It was a bit. It was such a trip talking to him because you just. It's like I went in with my regular human frequency, and he's somewhere else. It's just uh, yeah. Like, he really is. How do I yeah, go yeah. there? I don't know if it's know. from smoking weed or he brings himself down on the level to be able to talk to us mortal. I'm not sure how it works with Josh.
1: I don't know. He's, uh, I don't know either. He's very, <laughs> he's very, he's operating on a, uh, on a tent. I'm sure there's, I, you know, I, I'm sure there's, I, 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 I'm sure that he decompresses somewhere in there, but, um, yeah. And he'll just like, and he's super engaged and he's a good listener too. Like he's like, uh, you know, but yeah, he's doing some some cool shit. Have
0: you ever been to the to the foundry? Not to the foundry, dude. No, the last time I went to L.A. was like twenty twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. It's been a while. Okay. But I'll be going to Palm yeah. Springs this May, so I'm hoping to go yeah. and say hi. But yeah, it, is, yeah. Is, it, is it ridiculous? it's it's pretty crazy it's like it is
1: like some weird fort knox shit it's pretty wild i mean it's the crate you know it's this totally nondescript location where like you hope your car is there when you fucking leave right and then but you go inside and it's like some bank vault or whatever and then you know he's done this incredible design work for the family room which i'm sure you've seen on you know in videos or whatever and it smells amazing um because he's got all this like good art like fucking whatever leather candles or whatever the <laughs> hell's um he gave me one of those candles once and i would like just go hang out in that part of our house just to get like a hit of uh i think it was in a bathroom i was like oh yeah. it's like being at the foundry <laughs> but um you know it's all he knows what he's doing i mean his shit there's it's just it's yeah he's a good i'm guessing i i don't know but I'm assuming he's a good businessman. There's something, you know, he just really knows how to, um, I mean, it's beyond business, obviously. It's Mm -hmm. this whole, um, it's with I think any of the brands that we like, it becomes obviously a lifestyle. I mean, look at this. This is a podcast, right? I mean, it's not just about what you're, wearing they've been doing all this construction on our street and i just saw the craziest thing drive by (laughs) they've been digging up the streets and like putting pipes in and it was like this like a forklift but with these two extremely long fucking uh pipes tubes and it looked completely surreal and like we were in some blade runner-esque yeah (laughs) armageddon situation but anyway
0: um so yeah so where did you, I mean, when, the thing is, the, the, the I, there was a term I, I've used, that maybe I've used it before, and it's called the ratchet effect. I mean, I'm sure you're, mm-hmm. you're yeah, you're familiar with the term. Um, when did that start happening for you, getting into this scene? Right, so
1: I can pretty, pretty well pinpoint it. Um, I was in New York, I was doing another show, Bud had just been born, it was 2015, and... I was trying to find the perfect pair of engineer boots. (laughs) (laughs) So just for some context, like I grew up, my mom was always into clothes and vintage clothes specifically. I was heavy into vintage clothes. So everything I pretty much wore, not everything. I mean, there was also like, you know, I mean, I grew up in the eighties, right? So I, uh, i was also like wearing Fearucci. i mean i was like a little kid okay i was not i i had i was a very late bloomer um but i had like you know a mohawk in eighth grade but i looked like i was seven years old i looked really young and so um but i was like like into like punk you know so i like had like the red suspenders and the fucking chuck taylors and like a mohawk and you know i wanted to dye my hair but i didn't get a good enough grade in spanish um, so my mom wouldn't let me, you know that that you know, and also I went to a school that was really like you know kind of progressive, and it was a school called Oakwood in LA, and it's a lot of like kind of rock stars kids basically went there and stuff. So like I was in I was in I was in a carpool with like John Kay's daughter from Steppenwolf. This was my first year in seventh <laughs> seventh grade, okay. Um, and you know Moon Zappa went to school there, and it oh was just gosh. you know, it was, yeah, it was it, it was it was it was it uh, was I mean I, I was. Absolutely besotted in love with Van Morrison's daughter, um, who I famously, in my mind, I took her to the to see Duran Duran in the eighth grade. <laughs> so I was, I always loved that I was like, yeah, I took Van Morrison's daughter to see Duran Duran, um, and so I still remember what she was wearing. I wow, mean, yeah, Late leather moments. mini mini skirt, turquoise blouse tucked in. Anyway, um, and so. So fashion was definitely like a thing, like at our school or whatever. It's kind of like that movie Valley Girl. That was that was contemporaneous with both my school and where I went to school. You know, that was sort of the vibe. And um, I mean, literally, I went to school with Moonzappa. But uh, so, um, but I was heavy in vintage clothes, right? So I like wore a '40s suit, um, like kind of dead stock suit for my graduation from high school and that kind of thing. Um, and then you know throughout the and then really through the better part of the 90s it was like we were all like my my gang of guys and i were all like 50s guys you know it was fucking you know serious grease in our hair it still amazes me to this day that i managed to get laid in my 20s (laughs) with this much fucking murray's uh pomade in my hair i mean that shit i mean and i wonder why i was like breaking out uh but uh, and it didn't wash out, were.
0: did it? That stuff did not wash oh, out. Oh
1: no, you—it's several <laughs> washes. It would take several showers, um, all over your pillowcases and shit. And so you know that the tattoos, you know, like the fucking—I um, don't know what was going on with Levi's. Then was like the red tag shit or whatever, mm. um, or Biggie—is mm. that what it is? Yeah, and, and be, uh, yeah. yeah, and so like that and motorcycle boots and motorcycles and you know also all that all that was, was, uh, was, was the thing. And, um, and so, you know, when things kind of calmed down for me a little bit, it was just like, yeah, I have my uniform and I would buy like five seventeen Levi's off of, off of, uh, the Shepler's website. Shepler's is like a, uh, uh, a, a cowboy store in Oklahoma. Um, and, but it's like for f- over a decade more, I was wearing Basically nothing but 517, Levi's, which were like boot cuts, and I was go and I'd get these handmade ropers made um, at Willie's Shoe Service um, in Los Angeles. Um, for years, I've been trying. I've been trying to replicate these boots that James Dean has in all these photographs. Not his engineer boots from Rebel or anything, but these particular ropers. I would. I've been doing this since 1990. <laughs> OK, 1990, I got this book and I'd start going to like flea markets and I would compare the pictures because there was no phone to look at it on. Right. To the boots. And it was like, is that the Uto? Wait, is that, is that the same Uto? Is, is Is that a cap toe or is that a crease from this? OK, so it was so I had tons of these like, you know, just vintage, you know, flea market. Ropers, and then I started getting them handmade, and blah blah blah. blah. Anyway, um, and then when I was looking for, I was doing a TV show, this called, show called the Jim Gaffigan Show, and for whatever reason, I don't know why, I was like, this guy should wear engineer boots, and so I just had got they gave me some crappy ones when I came to the, you know, do the fitting or whatever, and then and, and then the show got picked up, and in the interim, you know, I'm looking around and I'm shopping here and I'm shopping there, and I ended up at um, and I was already wearing some like double RL, uh, double RL uh, chinos or whatever. But this was again, I didn't realize that there was this connection. Like I, I, I still wasn't putting it all together. Right? I knew I w- like I was wearing double double RL, but I was more sort of like embarrassed that I was like wearing Ralph Lauren and just like. But these chinos fit really good. <laughs> um, and so, um, so I go into double RL in new york there's this big you know um flagship store there when i came back to shoot the series and i'm like oh man these engineer boots are pretty cool and um as it turns out no offense but they actually really warranted a lot of a lot of a lot of problems and i returned them but um but you know i bought a pair of jeans there and it was like i i was like yeah these are like 300 fucking dollars but i was like these are really badass and blah 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 Anyway, to make a long story short, I ended up. There was a real McCoy's store in Soho in yeah. New York. Yeah, nice. Yeah, next to Blue and Green, mm-hmm. and um, and I walked in there and I and I, I was like my fucking jaw dropped because <laughs> I for years I I, I used to sh- oh I also used to shop at the California Surplus Mart that's which is still there you know which is a surplus mart on uh, mm-hmm. Vine and uh, Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood and. So between like the cowboy shop, you know, my bespoke boots and the surplus store, I was a much richer man because the only thing I really ever splurged on were these bespoke boots. And then once I walked into Real McCoys, the fucking jig was up, man. I mean, that was it. I was like, wait, so they make all like they hold on a second. They make all the shit. I've been like searching for and you know vintage stores like all these western shirts that i've been just like spent hours and 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 vintage shops and flea markets but they fit right <laughs> and the materials are incredible and you can break them i mean i it, it blew my fucking mind yeah. and then you know i went to self-edge and um also in the city at the time and that's where i got my first iron Heart anything which was the uh like the 101 j Oh right, yeah um yeah. and and I remember actually trying on the jeans. Mm-hmm. He's like, "If you want to go try something really heavy, you know, and I don't know, I have no idea what fit they were or anything at the time." And I was like, "Ha! ha these are ridiculous!" <laughs> of course, now as I as I sit here and talk to you, I'm wearing you know the 21 ounce. Um, I was like, "That's that's absurd, patently absurd." Um, and so I was like, "I'll buy these." He's 12 ounce Levi's reproductions, sugar canes.
0: <laughs> He's oh, yeah, yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they fit good, man. They fit good. Those ones. Those are good which, the, oh the yeah. Sugar cane. yeah. 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 Oh good. yeah.
1: Well, sure. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Oh, the other thing was I had discovered, I had discovered, um, I kind of feel guilty about this a little bit because I for sort of forsaked the guy. Um, Shit, maybe you can help me out. Yeah. Maybe if I if I if I if I, if I. there's a website. Yeah. Where a gut where the guy sells all this Buzz Rickson stuff. Okay. Um and Eastman and. Uh in the UK. No. No, he's actually here, and. Um. Mm.
0: There, there's 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 gonna be people listening going it's that person. So I'm sorry that I, know. I, I don't know either no, dude. I,
1: no, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find yeah. it. Hold yeah. On one second. Okay, so there is a website called I mean, in a weird way, well, whatever. So there's a website called History Preservation Associates and it's sugarcane, it's it's Buzz Rickson. Yeah. Toys McCoy maybe. In fact, that's what I bought from him. Were Toys McCoy? Ah. No. No, no, wait. Were they Toys McCoy? Now I can't remember. I bought engineer boots from him. Yeah. Ultimately, that's th- that was my first Pair of Japanese engineer boots. Yeah, which I thought would be my last. <laughs> oh my god! uh Let me here. Let, let, let me
0: shirt, sweaters, trousers, denim, gloves, headwear, footwear. It wouldn't have been the buco boots, would it? They, they, was buko the, No, they no. Didn't.
1: But I did. I did. I tried those on at the Real McCoy's store, and I at the time I couldn't get my foot in. I couldn't get my foot in them. I don't remember if it was the size or if it was just. The last was just too narrow because I wear orthotics, which is the fucking bane of my existence. Um, yeah, he sure does. Uh, Lone Wolf. Oh, SugarCane uh, makes Lone Wolf. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that. So they also make, by the way. Oh, those. are, Yeah. So the they're basically kind of a Red Wing vibe, but dude, I mean, I shouldn't be saying this. They're six hundred bucks, and and then here's some beautiful. And then he makes these mechanic. They make these mechanic boots that I also had, which I sold four seventy five. So it was before I understood about the pricing and all that. But, you yeah. know, he has no overhead and whatever it is. And, 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 and that's that. I, I, I don't know who... So I'm, I'm offending somebody here. What? Once you get into <laughs> this world, you, you you also begin to realize it's like the tattoo world where, you know, you better not fucking go to that tattoo artist down the shop, you know, or <laughs> down the street, right? Or, So, I mean, there's a lot of weird, you know... Like a couple of times, I'd buy something off of you know Denimio or whatever, Right, uh, right. and then like a pal who owns a shop would be like, "What's the matter? You know?" What? I'm like, "Listen, <laughs> I'm entitled to buy something for $200 less. <laughs> Why is that not my prerogative? <laughs> Do you know how much it's I st- spend on this shit? <laughs> right. It's still $200 anyway. <laughs> um. So, um. But listen, I, I, I have, sp- I have spread my my my, I've spread myself quite evenly yeah. throughout this world, yeah. but um, but yeah, that was it, dude. So it was like that combination of like the engineer boot thing, something to do with double RL, real McCoys, the self edge, and then that was it. And 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 now my wife is like, I don't understand why you have eight of those. You need to explain to me why you need a ninth one, um, and i keep coming and like i stopped using this excuse which for a while made a lot of sense to me okay so so for so for this other period in the 90s the, 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 there was somebody i left out there was a designer a clothing line called built by wendy and she was a great she still is but she uh, uh, uh largely a women's clothing designer and she had about three shops i think two in new york three in new york one in los Angeles. And this is when i was living in new york uh, again another iteration uh at some point in the early 2000s and i guess also the late 90s anyway she started making some stuff actually for my old friend who she her ex-boyfriend and then she sort of started this men's line and it was um these great fitting western shirts it was just they fit like tits you know it wasn't like it was that same thing where it was like you didn't it was like a medium was a medium you know and slim and all that you know she was making basically skinny guy rocker stuff and she would and and same with pants and so i so for years i I had all this shit of hers and that's basically what i wore when i wasn't wearing you know jeans and t-shirt or whatever or wrangler and then she actually did a thing with wrangler where she started doing repro stuff of their old kind of um which i again i didn't even realize that at the time i thought she was doing new well she was doing new stuff they weren't using like salvage denim but they were doing, I mean, they still had washes and things like that. But um, but it was, uh, what's it called? Uh, the old Wrangler uh, Blue. The old, whatever, the old Wrangler label anyway. Um, so she was basically doing repros of that stuff, uh, just to make a long story short. And so I was fully outfitted in all this shit too. And... When she basically went out of business, I was like, "Oh fuck!" And so I tried to start having her pants made. Like I took one, I had one pair of pants, like taken to a, a some place I can't remember, some kind of tailor, and they and they made them. And I remember I was wearing them <laughs> to a to I was about to go to some press thing, like some kind of not a junket but some press day. I had flown to New York and I bent over and the seam right up my ass crack ripped. <laughs> I was like, well, this isn't working. Perfect. So, you know, and again, I left out, like I didn't talk a lot about the, the, the surplus store, but it, it was also like Dickies. I mean, that was also like the the thing in, in, in the 90s. It was just, you know, lots and lots of Dickies. So, but, and I, can't, I remember I used to go into the, the shop, the, the surplus market all the time and I would try on these Dickies jackets and I'd get so annoyed that they fit, you know, because you'd look like a, you know, like a bouncer or whatever. Um, but I was at the time like 140 fucking pounds, you know, 5'11". And, um, and so, you know, I was just like so frustrated and I would take shit and I would have it altered and all this kind of stuff. So once you discover that there's like this world of shit that fits you that that's like, you know, Dickies, but really nice. And then of course, eventually all these brands catch up to what's going on. And they're like, you know, then they're doing a Dickies slash whatever collab for $700. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, um, you know, so I would say to my wife, it's like, I'm sort of stockpiling, I'm hoarding, you know, in case it happens again, in case there's like, you know, the, the great, you know, sort of, uh, whatever, you know, salvage depletion of 2022. <laughs> and, you know, the, um, but that's a load of bullshit, you know, cause I don't think this is going anywhere, but, um, but yeah, it just feels like, why wouldn't I like in the old days, I could find one jacket. I liked a couple pairs of pants. It was fucking hard. Or I had to start going to, you know, rifle through, uh, flea markets. And so it's like, But no, there's no, and, and now I'm like, now I'm like becoming as much of a fucking seller as I am a a buyer. I mean, I, I've, I I started doing it through my friend, Joe used to work at Self Edge in LA, um, where I'd give him a bunch of clothes and he'd put shit on his, he still has a bunch of my shit on his grail, but now I'm here and he's in, in Arizona and I'm just like, fuck it. I just like opened up a, you know, a proper little grail shop and i mean i sold a shirt while i was waiting for our uh, while i was setting up today
0: <laughs> like oh that's sold all right here we go i gotta wrap as soon as i get off the phone with you i gotta wrap up two shirts and send them off nice well do you want to plug the grail right now so you can uh, you can shift some I more think, gear i think it's adam yeah it's so fucking nice stuff too thing that's most
1: exciting is i bought this himmel jacket um last year that, th- that he did with freenote and it's fantastic it's just too moto for me so i'm having dave make me uh, one from scratch so i'm i'm offloading this one um that's probably the nicest thing up there but uh yeah i think it's adam goldberg the or something or no adam goldberg yeah i think it's adam goldberg the is the handle there's also an ebay which frankly is preferable because they don't charge as much of a commission
0: but oh, what the grail charge more commission i feel like ebay it's, it's exorbitant the commission they charge
1: I think that it changed. I think it's over a certain amount of money that oh. eBay doesn't charge a commission now. I think it's over a thousand dollars or something like that. So for most things, I don't think it matters. But if you do make a big sale, I think it's better to do it on eBay. For
0: eBay. Oh, good to know. I, I, I
1: just read that recently, so yeah. I don't fucking know. Right. So um, Grailed,
0: uh, it would be Adam Goldberg. The I think that's what it is. eBay and the same. I
1: think e- I think is AC Goldberg.
0: And I mean, I I don't know if this is getting too personal, but you're, you wear roughly a 42, 40 chest.
1: Yeah. About a 40, but I mean, you know how that goes. Yeah. Of Um, course. course. 40 becomes a, like for some reason, been wearing all this Y two leather stuff. And I'm anywhere between a 40 and a 44 (laughs) (laughs) What's going on. Like they, you know, those leather shirts, which by the way, pale rider. Ah, as long as we're talking about leather shirts. Yeah. Um, we have to talk about sizing about that.
0: Oh yeah,
1: in a, in a moment. Okay, so yeah, about a forty, five eleven, thirty two and a half waist, one hundred and sixty pounds. So, um, so hit
0: him up if you want any of his gears. Got some good shit.
1: So yeah, what's the that once I saw that pale rider because I got the um, I just picked up the type three, which I guess was a the same leather, but it was just a thicker cut of it, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, the, the, ours are the same leather, um, but the pale rider that's going to go into production is actually we're using a, a 0.9 millimeter thick leather, just various reasons, you know, we, on the one I've got the thicker leather, you couldn't do up, you couldn't put a top snap on it. And, um, and, it, and, and the, and the 0.9 millimeter leather, you know, kind of falls nicer, fits nicer. Um, but yeah, but the, uh, the, 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 the leather that we've got on ours is, uh, is that bit thicker. Yeah.
1: And that thing is fucking great. I mean, it's already aging just unbelievably. It's just so good. And, so I, yeah, I started getting all these leather shirts from Y2, but I was kind of bummed that there wasn't just a straight up natural one. And then that came up and yeah. And it's weird. My, my Ironheart sizing, I'm like somewhere between a medium and a large in the UHF. And the UHF. So I wear both depending
0: on the Is it, do you... availability you've got a western on now you've got a, a western uhf i think is that right or is it the work it looks like yeah western. Yeah, yeah it's a western, western yeah. yeah what size so this is one was is only alive?
1: a bit this is a medium and it huh? i got I, I only got this medium because i was so this is my favorite probably my favorite one i was enamored I so enamored with it that i was like i don't care if it's a tiny bit too small but it's not is this a uhf or is this a it's it's not the super heavy flannel
0: I feel like it's a UHF. Um, it's a black and white. Uh, I haven't got the model number on me right it's, now. Stu- it's super dark indigo. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. My mistake. In which case, it'll be the. Uh, I think it's going to be the nine ounce salvage ombre check uh, in indigo and grey, uh, which I can see you've added some good art snaps to. Yeah. So it. You know, I can snap it or whatever. It's just definitely not an
1: overshirt. It's not like you wouldn't wear it over a sweatshirt or anything. Yeah. So the larger ones, obviously, I do. So I can go kind of. Either way, but that's but I think with leather, I don't know. I th- I feel like you don't want to get too snug, cause, right I mean I know some people do,
0: but yeah. Um, I would say. If but that's you usually a, wear. I I do XL. I do XL in the in the Western in, in what you're okay. wearing, uh, and this is right. XL, and it's all it's just it's right. bang on, dude. So I'd say whatever you feel good. I in would good.
1: I would I, I would do a large probably.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably quite wise. And then When the hell are it. they coming out? Good question. so I keep being told the end of this month. Are you are you all would right. you go through Ironheart or are you going to go through TJ? I don't know. TJ I,
1: was... I, I I yeah, I already told TJ to order one. So I am going I'm that yeah. He, he he he's like, you know, if you want one of these I mean not to me, but you know on and his and his Instagram, I was like, "Oh, I don't what should I I what what if they Okay, I'll, all right. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I I haven't paid anything, but I think he ordered one. So yeah, I yeah. technically I believe I'm
0: I'm well, I already own one. Um, own one. Okay, sick. Yeah, you, you were yeah. On, you were on your Instagram recently, and it, I had to say it really made me laugh. You you were on. I think your son was next to you, and you're like, "Hey, so basically, I need to pay for my son's education, mm-hmm. so I'm selling mm-hmm. selling some shit."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right before we went to uh, uh uh to New York, um, so I put everything out because we were you know doing this quasi move we're coming out here for nearly a year and wow. so you know when you pack like that you're basically moving <laughs> and i put out just the shit that was like you know your first blush pack you know it's like okay what's the and i and, I, and I, it was i mean i had pictures it's 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 not pretty or it's actually <laughs> gorgeous but it's embarrassing and i'm like some of this shit's got to go and and i got to do that thing where if it's been a year it just yeah, it's got to go. There's no, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's the justification obviously is if you collect shit, that's different. But what does that even mean? Collecting it for whom? I mean, I guess my kids. I literally say to my wife once a month, that reminder, I go, if something terrible happens, I drop dead, get hit by a car, whatever it is, just know that, remember, my music gear, my photo gear, and my clothes just sell that shit, okay? Oh. Um, this is the kind of thing. I go, just don't get sentimental about it. Wow. The, the clothes are worth something. <laughs> so, I mean, like, it won't be like, oh, we should have kept dad's leather jacket. I was like, I probably didn't wear it. Um, it, it won't even smell like me. Um, if something's worn and c- clearly creased, then, okay, fine, hold on to it. But um, I know, very morbid. Anyway, yeah. So he and I did a video because it's yeah. I, I was like, I if, if I'm gonna advertise my little shop, I'm gonna come clean. And it's true. I literally think about that every time I buy something. I think about I think about my kids' future and how badly I need this shirt. And usually, the shirt uh, wins. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it can be overpowering sometimes can't it but, but, all, but, sorry. but what is the
1: deal no i'm just gonna say like what, what because like my i try to explain this to my wife and she's way into fashion but she's just like not crazy right and she's not like she she's responsible human being but what is it um with all of us like what's going on like can it can it be expl I mean I- I- is it just an addiction? Is it just like coke but somehow it's more socially palatable?
0: <laughs> um right what's the, what's the alternative? Let's look at it as that. What 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 is what what else would we be spending our money on if this thing didn't exist? Mhm. How, how's that? How's that? To, I, I don't know if that's kind well, of a, yeah.
1: Well, no, to me, it really is. It's like, there are four things for me, right, that I'm really into, right? Cameras, music gear, furniture, clothes. And if you were to remove all of those things, and I could just, I don't know what, live a more austere, you know, monk-like life, chances are, uh, at least one of us,
0: my wife or I, could retire. (laughs) (laughs) Or you'd be into crypto. Wanna- yeah, right,
1: right, right. Oh God forbid. God, forbid. Um, no, no. But um, yeah. I fuck, man. I don't know. It's like it's rough being an estate. <laughs> it's it's just it just is. You know, I don't. It's just it's always been it's it's tough because it's like you just and 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 the weirdest part is the weird thing about the pandemic, I guess, is that or one of the weird things about the pandemic is that um, I remember right as it was descending and I thought this is either going to be the best thing for this particular habit and that there won't be any reason to buy clothes because we won't be going anywhere or it's going to be the fucking worst thing. <laughs> and it turned out to be the worst thing because you know everybody's relationship with the internet became more intimate. You know, You have more idle time I mean, you have. I've had more custom wallets made. <laughs> more idea. You know what I mean? Because I don't know how to be. I'm not a leather craftsman. Now, if I were, I'd probably be making them. You know. But I'm not good with my hands. Like I can't make shit. I just can't make shit. And if I could, I probably would be doing it. But part of it is it's it is a it is a creative outlet. You know, even if it's a something as simple as swapping out buttons or not even at all. You know, you're you're putting together something. Um, whether it's an outfit or whatever it is. And it becomes a, uh, 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 you know, it's a release of some sort. But the irony of course is, you know, you end up in this weird feedback loop. I didn't know any of these fucking forums existed, all these fashion forums for these men's fashion forums. I would laugh at them. I would see these dudes talking about fades and I was embarrassed. And the only reason I was on those forums in the early days was because I was like just genuinely trying to understand something about, you know, this particular product. And again, it was really heavily about finding the, the perfect engineer boots. It led me to Roll Club, Brian, the bootmaker, you know, and um, I mean, in many ways, he was like the gateway to this, uh, you know, he told me about WH Ranch, uh, uh. Ryan's, you know, you know, then I had those jeans, you Yeah. Know, so then, then I ended up in Makerland, you know. Um, but um, but I was like embarrassed. I'm like, why are these dudes talking about their fades and their whiskers and their honeycombs i go this is embarrassing and now i am that guy i am no different no i might not post but i do post on the iron heart forum i've done it a couple times it's the only place i've done it it's the place i feel safest <laughs> but um but but it's this weird thing where it's are you getting dressed to take a picture of yourself? <laughs> because let's put us aside or whatever. You know, there are, fa- you know, there are, there are fashion blogs of every, you know, you know, fashion accounts, let's say Instagram accounts or whatever, of every iteration, right? And so you see, you know, uh, someone's account, you know, whether a woman, a man, whatever, and it's just them wearing clothes. And, you know, did they wear it all day? is that what they went out in like i i've never understood that in and of itself but i do understand it in the larger context of not being able to see as many people as you would want to see not being able to interact with as many people as you'd want to interact with and not having another creative outlet um and of course illustrating your your ability to put something pretty together or cool together or whatever it is. Um, I'm not dissing these things at all. Um, I mean, I, I'm totally part of that world, but um, but it's curious, right?
0: Because
1: mm. what was life before that like?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I would go as far to say is I think maybe even life before this has informed this in the sense that, like, this is sort of a very half-baked theory. Um, I think there's something to be said for the um, aspirational father, right? The the cool Mm -hmm. dad, let's say. Yeah, yeah, I think what this does is this gives a, a, this facilitates men, potentially, some women, with money to go, hang Hmm. on a minute, I can become, like my dad wasn't cool, like that person. Suddenly I can be a fucking cool dad that wears good art, that wears all these different brands and everyone's going, well, who's this dude? There's something in that and I probably haven't thought it through enough, but
1: Yeah. yeah. It's funny because my wife will say to me, and I I think to be fair, you know, if I'm honest, I think she kind of misses the pre this version of myself (laughs) because it was completely uninformed by any, um, well, there was no, I mean, there was internet, but I didn't, I was certainly wasn't aware of that. And there definitely wasn't Instagram. So it was just like, I was if I do say so myself, inherently sort of cool, right? <laughs> um, there wasn't any um, echo chamber. It was just like, I like those boots. I like these whatever and da-da-da-da and I'm going to wear a sweater and a collared shirt underneath. And it's like, and I used to like that about myself. I loved going to premieres. This was a thing I, 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 I like. It was like my, my, like my premier uh, like, uh, hack was that I would wear, uh, you know those Wrangler pants? Levi's made them too. In fact, it's the same thing as the 517 cut. They're like a poly blend uh, action slack. Yep, yep. So for both suits and for a zillion TV shows I did, where I would go, I think this character would wear, in Fargo I wear them. Every time I played a cop, I wore them. And I go, I think this character should wear, and it's just because I knew they fit, they're like slim Slim-hipped, boot-cut, action slack, wear them with zipper boots, western shirt, and like a Paul Smith sport coat. So the only thing that was really cost any money in there was was maybe that Paul Smith. (laughs) Right. But the rest of it was a fucking $20 Wrangler snap shirt, some $30 slacks, and some Florsheim zipper boots, right? And... And I kind of like really dug that about myself. Now you get into this world of slow fashion and all that. You start to understand why it's actually important ecologically, why it's important economically. And, all you know, there's this whole other thing I just never considered. Right. But who am I fucking kidding? I mean, is that really the reason I'm into great makers? I mean, yes, I love the idea that it's actually supporting somebody's craft. I love the idea that the stuff is being made ethically. Of course I do. Um, I actually get really bugged out that I don't know why these hand knit sweaters, double RL, are made in China, while the jeans are made in the United States. I also don't want to be that guy that's like, "Oh, made in China." Well, well, that doesn't necessarily mean anything horrible at all. It it, it could be this, there's an amazing craft, you know what I mean? But it's but but when you can't when you can't draw a straight line and, and, and it's not it's not made clear by the by by the brand. You know, then you, then I guess I begin to wonder, and it's made me real sensitive to those sorts of things, and that part of it I really like. But I sort of also, you know, dug the version of the guy that could just be like, you know, um, I could put this shit together, and it cost me eighty five bucks, you know, <laughs> um, and it was just something I didn't have to sort of consider, and 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 then and then you get to be a certain age, like, dude. Being in my 40s was one thing. Being 50 now one is, and I used to think this all through my 20s. I, I really thought a lot about this. I thought it's a good thing. I go, I go, the way that I dress is pretty set in stone. And I used to wear the same thing pretty much that. I was like boots and jeans or those Wrangler pants and whatever, like a Western shirt or white t-shirt or whatever. Okay. So I was, like, I was like, good thing what I'm wearing will never really go out of style, right? Because you're essentially rooted in the 50s and the 60s and that's not really ever going to go anywhere. Um, and I go, but what happens when I, st-? I go, I used to say to myself, what happens like when you're wearing like new balance and stuff like that? Like at some point, is it going to seem goofy that you're like a 50 year old dad and you're dressing like this, or is this going to be, or, 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 can you bring this into your next life as an older man? I would, I swear to God, I would think about this all the time. And now there are times where like, I'm like, am I that guy? Am I, and am I, where it's like. Here's the perfect example. Am I turning into Johnny Depp? Like, am I not... Am I starting to lose perspective a little bit? I mean, he was always a bit eccentric, right? But at some point, he went full pirate, right? Right, right, yeah. He went full pirate slash, I guess, Keith Richards rocker. <laughs> Something, right? And so... Because there were times last year where I, had, I was wearing so much good art that, like, I could barely lift my arm. Um... <laughs> And I'm like, is it just because I'm fucking old and bored and dissatisfied? Or is this like, or am I, or did I put together like a really sweet ensemble?
0: Like, I don't know. I, it feels like it's just aging well, man. Like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. if I th- if I think back to Buffalo 66 and that outfit that Vincent Gallo wore and I feel like it was like red Winkle Pickers and the, and the mm-hmm. you know that outfit on a man 30 years his senior would look absurd. It would look... (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So I think there's something to be said for just, you know, evolving. Is that the right word, evolving, or just... Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I guess what I kind of wish, and I kind of don't because I just wouldn't have had the money, I guess, but some part of me was like, shit, I wish all this shit had existed when... Ah, but I don't really. I as I as I find myself saying that um, because there was something fun about having to find all of this stuff and explore and 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 then you know now it's like it, it it's kind of nice. It feels I mean it's hardly centralized, but it sort of feels like it's centralized. Um, you know you kn- you know your Japan Japanese brands. You know your um, you know your English stockists. You know your you know American brands and stockists or whatever. And you, you pretty much know where you can go and yes, you're still finding things and there's still like, uh, you know, this, the stitch down, um, which is a cool, you know, account, um, Instagram account, you know, really likes to highlight, um, lesser known, uh, you know, makers and, mm. um, there are some boots I'm having made in, uh, Thailand right now, That's um, sick. that are just fucking amazing. <laughs> um, and, um, and so, uh, you know Anyway, but the point. So th- you know, there's still this incredible sort of world to explore, and all these really unique, you know, people making things. Um, so that obviously has is, is, is just that world has just gotten gotten larger. But um, but at the same time, yeah, there's something nice about I guess sort of just sort of settling into <laughs> your your groove and just sort of knowing where you're gonna go and these guys are going to have that stuff for you you know and it's going to be consistent you know and the quality is going to be fucking really good (laughs) and you don't have to worry about it you know um but but there is this fear that there is i swear i have it that like like can this sustain itself yeah and i've been trying to track like i always like to look at you know when these brands began i mean what's the oldest version of it you know of an iron heart
0: uh, wow. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it was the the six three four jeans, twenty one ounce, and the five two seven J twenty one ounce riders jacket. I think. And
1: how long? How but how many years ago? Uh, how, when?
0: Oh, uh, well, it's the twentieth uh, anniversary this year, so I guess, um, yeah, I guess twenty years.
1: <laughs> but I mean, are I mean, I guess I'm wondering: are all these places sort of barely just staying afloat, or is everybody doing fine? My fear is is that like. You know they're all just breaking even <laughs> and and if we stop shopping they're gonna they're gonna go under but then i see this shit everything sells out and i have to i have to imagine for the most part these brands that we really like have good business models because they have managed to stick around for enough years that they must be making the right amount
0: they must be charging the right amount you know but what's happening with like well i mean like flathead and real mccoy i think they're in trouble are they not well, but Flathead was, but then they came
1: back. I yeah, exactly. That was a that was a that was an example of like, oh shit, see it's happening. Like, once one second you're buying a twenty five hundred fucking dollar, incredibly made jacket by Flathead, and then you're here, they're out of business. Um, but now, no, now, but they're back. So they're back. Real McCoy's. You know, I freaked out when that shop left New York, which in a way is the fucking greatest thing to have ever happened because. <laughs> That kind of access is just not healthy, dude. <laughs> although, 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 I will say, Standard and Strange now has got a shop in the city, and they're essentially acting as a, you know, as a surrogate Real McCoy's because they stock so much Real McCoy stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You would probably know better than me. I don't know. Is there still a Real McCoy's London? Oh, it's at Clutch now, isn't it? Or it's like
0: yeah, uh, I, th- I think they stock really it at um, at Clutch, but I ca- I know they're at Covent Garden. I yeah. think maybe they've got some ridiculously expensive premise in in Mayfair now I'm not entirely sure where they're at dude yeah
1: well also that's I mean that's such a specific market I mean maybe it's not that different I mean Ironheart's the kind of thing where it's like you need a pair of pants you need a shirt you need a jacket you go to (laughs) Ironheart you know what I mean yeah but it's really good and 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 it's still the stuff is really beautiful but there's a kind of there's a there's a consistency and a reliability and it yeah. straddles that world between repro and not repro you Correct. know yeah, obviously yeah, that real McCoy stuff is extremely niche
0: yeah
1: um, and and it's interesting you see the diversity of the clientele in Ironheart and it's wild you know same with like my guys my, my friends at left field NYC I mean you see these guys I mean they service guys who are wearing those jeans the way they were meant to be worn right I mean they're going to work in those jeans <laughs> <laughs> fucking digging ditches and then there's assholes like me who are wearing them on television and he charges like a great price and they make their shit you know uh, locally and, and I mean Field is a, is a great example of of a, of a, of a really sustainable you know brand that's, that's, that's stuck around for a long time in fact that was another that was another it was it was when I was in New York City I was when I was really it was it was like a it was like a real sweet spot because there was like Left Field There was real McCoys, you know, there was self edge and then it was, yeah.
0: Then you were off to the races.
1: Dude,
0: that's, that's, yeah, I agree. So, so, so uh, what, what kind of lies ahead for you this year? Have you got anything? uh, Is it, is it equalizer? Is it life in, in the Hudson?
1: It's equalizer until May and my son um, finishes first grade in June. He's going to school here, obviously. And then I guess we're going to go back home to LA and I'll either, I guess I'll just wait to see what's going on with with the show. If the show comes back. Then you know. Then I, then I think we, we. Then we have to make some radical life adjustments because we own our house is in Los Angeles. We own a house in LA. Yeah, um, it's sitting there collecting dust mm-hmm. and hopefully accruing value. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, While I bleed rent here in New York, because <laughs> even the most affordable rent in the most obscure town on the Hudson still is is pretty intense. So, yeah. um, so we. Uh, yeah we're just gonna wait and see I mean there's so much wait and see between just what we were already doing for our respective livings my wife and I and then this pandemic it's just yeah, fucking yeah. crazy just yeah. crazy
0: yeah it's I imagine what you get to a stage and, and correct me if I'm wrong where I'm, I'm guessing a lot of the decisions you're making are about the kids or about the kind it's, of oh
1: for 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 sure and in fact there's a version of this where the show doesn't get picked up but my kid is really you know I don't I think we're leaning more towards defaulting back to Los Angeles because that is where we live. Usually it is where our house is. But, you know, this is my, my son did remote learning for a year. And this is his first real year at school. And, yeah, it's with the fucking mask. Wow. And, yeah, it's, you know, outside most of the day until lately when it's been 12 degrees. But um, I know but he's he's really attached to it and he's making like real friends and he, it's like a real school where he's like really learning and it's uh it's going to be hard to just say okay now now we're going back to Los Angeles um so i don't yeah but yes the answer, the short answer is yes you it's it's hard not to consider that um, first and foremost before you're making any decision well i should say second to where are the best clothes second to where where are the best retail outlets um yeah yeah, obviously where can you try things on um so luckily our proximity right now to the the city is good los angeles is good but if somebody says okay you know you're gonna move to fucking you know well like where i had to work a few times to albuquerque uh, that's no bueno it's
0: not happening (laughs) yeah yeah forget that forget that Mm -hmm. um it's, it's just it's been an absolute genuinely an absolute pleasure speaking to you thank you so much for your time we've done two hours
1: yes i know i was gonna say i really hope i didn't fucking
0: max out your drive no <laughs> not at all i'm just i'm just grateful you're giving us the time man um for, a- absolutely uh, those guys listening um adam's got a, a fantastic account on instagram it's adam goldberg um check him out in the equalizer are there any streaming platforms uh is it prime is it I I think it's it's on CBS but I think
1: it's I think it's on um
0: uh (laughs) (laughs) we'll find out yeah it, it, it it, it
1: it is a stream it's whatever whoever owns fucking nbc universal as a streaming platform i yeah. I, I forget what it is yeah uh, it's n- not uh,
0: paramount plus that's what it is paramount plus okay amazing amazing and obviously some of the other things we spoke about i'll put yeah. the links in the descriptions to the just right. the awesome work you've done man but thank you so much again for your time dude absolutely man thank you a pleasure best of luck to you and uh yeah let's talk again soon yeah we'd love to man oh and i'll see you
1: i'll I'll also i'll see you in in my pale rider (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll have a we'll have a pale rider off yes yeah yeah okay I'm, i'm into that all right all right man
0: talk soon you've been listening to ironcast the official iron art international podcast A big thank you to Adam Goldberg. Ironcast is an Island to Island production, hosted and edited by me, Ollie Walker. We hope you enjoyed listening, and we look forward to dropping episode three very soon. Take care.